Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Benjamin Richardson. Hello. And Rich Hudson. Hello. So a couple of things are worth talking about this week. Um, we've got a whole bunch of stuff in regards to Sekiro and difficulty and all that type fun. But for now, what do you guys think of the BAFTAs? I love the BAFTAs. Me yeah. too. I'm, I thought it was brilliant. I'm a really, really big fan. I know I was saying before the pod that the Game Awards are great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that seemed more focused on entertainment mm-hmm. rather than appreciation. I mean, obviously it does both, but the BAFTAs, you know, everybody comes, uh, black tie, very formalised. Mm. It's like a, re- a real nightmare. It's what you'd expect for an, an actual awards exactly. night. Exactly. Yeah. So. I just, one of the things that I loved was just, because I watched the whole thing. It's like a three and a half hour, like in, in, in entirety, there's a whole pre-show thing uh, where they had uh, Ify Wilson from, from Eurogamer, Eurogamer. Um, just sort of doing a thing, like talking to different people on the red carpet or whatever. And uh, Dara O'Brien, Ed Byrne, they had like Lucas Pope was there. And it just immediately, there's a, there's a feeling of, of genuine care and like appreciation for Charlie gaming. Brooker. Yeah, my boy so, Charlie, Charlie Brooker. Brooker the who, he's, he's, he's somebody great. who also gives an absolute like crap about games. <laughs> yeah. If you listen to his uh, Desert Island Discs on mm. Radio 4, one of his discs was mm. a game soundtrack. I can't remember what it was specifically well, it was he, like a really really old game right. it was like this is one of my Desert Island discs he was, it was, like, he was they, a games journalist yeah but it's like that, that whole thing of just sort of like raising up the bar like people like us who've played games all our lives have known that there are worthwhile stories and you know just so much worthwhile um qualities to gaming that like just don't get there just as an art form yeah as an art yeah, form yeah. they just don't get there just due and it's it's about time kind of thing that, so, what, yeah. another thing I'll say as well it's such a wholesome ceremony where mm-hmm. all the industry is there to congratulate one another mm-hmm. it's not competitive well exactly it's like it's like just going awards. back to the game awards this year um, or last year mm-hmm. Jeff Keighley opened it with <clears throat> with Reggie um, Phil Spencer Phil Spencer and what's his face from Other PlayStation uh, uh, and he brought them yeah. all out together and they were just like we're here to celebrate games like yes like everyone would think we all hate each other but no we don't <laughs> that was one of yeah. the things that uh, Dara Brown, uh, Brown was just like you know if you're a fan of this, these people's work then show your love like clap celebrate cheer whatever and that just led to a, a really great vibe across the whole thing um, and I thought that one of the things that they pulled off was just there's a lot of really good worthwhile social messaging in there that like in a, a bunch of different award ceremonies can come off as cringe but like all the people here really believe what they're saying and I thought that you know whether it be like even at the end Corey Barlog's speech about why creativity is worthwhile and respecting other people um, to like the smallest little mobile titles like uh, My Child Lebensborn and the, the the devs that made that telling their story when they got their award like I loved all that stuff well this is another thing as well I think it, it, it treats every single aspect of uh, the game medium evenly like mm. from mobile to multiplayer to 
uh, MMOs and you know big big budget single player yeah. games. Everything is treated with the same degree of respect. It's not like oh, he's your best foreign language award. It's just just shoved to the side. Yeah, that's true. We can um, we can dive into a little bit of one of the weirdest things, which is that Red Dead Two didn't win a damn thing. Now that it's Celeste. No, I, mean, it's, 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 <laughs> I think it's because it, it, there's always that comparison to the Game Awards. Like we have like the film BAFTAs always compared to the Oscars. Mm. We have the TV BAFTAs compared to what is it? Golden Globes and Emmys. Yeah. Like we, they, they, I think there is that because obviously Red but, Dead came back, came out with a lot of stuff from the Game Awards. Yes, but yeah, and also, but also last night, it, no. it, it doesn't mean that Red Dead got the short shrift because it was no, no. nominated for six awards. Yes, it's yeah. just the bar. One of the things from um, with this like the general the general level of respect that was across the whole ceremony did for the first time when I've ever watched an awards ceremony make me think that even the nominations were just as good as winning. Like they sort oh, of really got that across. Yeah. Yeah. Um which like yeah, like I that's like hardly any sort of big budget um you know media ceremonies get that across that actually just to be there nominated is, is a winner. That's itself. one of the problems with awards in general is that effectively you're saying this is better than all the rest, yeah. which is not necessarily the case. But as long as you're doing it, something has to win. Mm -hmm. It has to be a focal point. You can't just say he has a load of good games. Yeah. So we can break down some specific things. We might as well start with the biggest one, which was actually best game went to God of War, um, which is like, for me, that's absolutely, I adore God of War every single second of it. So I was just glad to see the whole the whole cast get back up there again. Um, but it was up against Celeste, Red Dead 2. I think Astrobot was in there as well. Yeah. Um, did you guys see God of War coming or did you expect something more like a Red Dead? I think it was I think it was kind of given to be God of War because obviously mm. God of War took... It swept uh, everything Took else. the Game Awards, took the Game of the Year from the Game Awards as well. Mm -hmm. And it won a lot of other stuff as well. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, I think it would have done... I mean, I was expecting it kind of to be like the uh, the Game Awards where like Red Dead 2 won a load of stuff but then God of War won the big one yeah and then obviously God of War won a lot of stuff here and you could have thought oh it would go to Red Dead instead but no it still went to God of War <laughs> so yeah. I, I think it deserves it absolutely yeah. I, I wasn't surprised in this latest I mean right. what, what was very heartening is uh, Cory Barlog again the, the emotion displayed despite winning at the Game Awards mm. and despite all the accolades he's had, it still means just as much to him. He's such a good dude. Yeah, so, yeah. He's so lovely. Like a great spokesperson so for the industry. So yeah. heartfelt, yeah. And for creativity and just like, yeah, like why they do what they do. And just like, he really grounds it as just being like, I'm just a, I'm just a person well, if, creating. And if, that's if, if he's an advert for why you should get into the games industry, mm. you know, if, if, you've, if you've been feeling jaded or disenfranchised by the... The EAs and the activists yeah, and the yeah, corporate side. You just look at someone like him, you say, look, the passion's still there. Mm -hmm. Speaking of passion, Mr. Joseph Farris was there, my favourite man. Uh, Richard is also a huge fan. Oh, I love, I love, back I love watching him just make an absolute <laughs> ass of himself. And I just sit there and think, why am I watching this? So there's, there's two offs to this, uh, uh, this point, is that he won, um, well, a way out won best multiplayer, which we'll get back to. But also Joseph Farris, just to quickly point out that corporate side, um, he made a point during his speech to say that EA were more than happy to let him do whatever he wants. And a way out is one of the most unique, um, you know, original games going. I think as, published by EA. as like a segment, I think EA really are looking at themselves and trying to change things up mm. I think Anthem is the last thing they're going to do that's like hey we're going to want loads of money we're going to try and replicate Destiny but mm. I think from here it, it's quite weird to think because obviously EA was like the worst company in the universe for like <laughs> 10 years yeah. now I think they genuinely are trying to change things up and I think that's I great so. I mean, it's about time that they sort of... I mean, the thing is, like, if you if you dissect all the stuff, the, the report that Kotaku did on the realities of Bioware uh, making Anthem, like, EA were mostly hands-off with it. A lot of that game's problems came kind of from Bioware, um, but there are apparently internal emails that Kotaku followed up reporting on saying that they are going to change a lot. I, I don't think they can avoid changing because mm. the backlash this time around in particular has been so widespread. Way too public, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and also, more than most other industries, the game community is very mobilised mm -hmm. against these sort of issues. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very difficult to get mass markets to boycott movies and things like that but when it comes to games people you tend to care game? more 
Good sir. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the other, like I said, the other side of that coin is that uh, a way out one best multiplayer, which uh, has been a really good talking point because it's how much do we do we put the idea of competitiveness into the term multiplayer? Because I, I was I'm, I love I mean I love way out, so I was really happy that that won. But you were saying like Richie, yeah, we, 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 we you know, in our last podcast we did about the Baftas mm-hmm. and when we did all the nominations, we were discussing like the difference between multiplayer and co-op because when it's more just based into like how the industry's gone in terms of multiplayer mm-hmm. over the last ten years. When you think of multiplayer, you think of competitive, not so much cooperative. Mm-hmm. And it's there's not enough out there to give a cooperative like award for solely yeah. cooperative. So I think, I think that's probably why a way out won it because it was something co- genuinely just, cooperative from the ground up. Because normally in in the 360 era, a cooperative thing was normally just here's the campaign, but someone else can load it. Like you could do in like you do in Halo, like you do in World of right, War. Yeah. But um, I think way out would deserve it in that respect. But yeah, I was expecting it to go as I said in the last podcast that it, I was expecting it to go to a competitive game, mm-hmm. not a co-op game. Mm-hmm. Good sir. I was just going to say there are so few cooperative games out there, which is mm. why we mm. even have this delineation in the first place. True. Just just so people know in advance, I can, it's, I can almost name only like maybe five. Well, it's or it's so. strange because even in a way out case, like it's kind of on its own little island. Like it is by definition co-op. You can't play that solo. You have to play with someone else. And like you, know, like you were saying before we came in, like uh, Benji, that like it promotes you know local co-op as well. Yeah. Like the best way to play that game is to find someone you love and play through it side by side. Yeah. Because there are a bunch of uh, moments in that where you have to work together and you have to have you know different things happen. Like, <laughs> that dynamic. Or very recent examples, maybe like Overcooked, for example. Mm. But, but even yeah. that can be played on its own. Mm-hmm. So it's not strictly multiplayer. So yeah, I think that's true. what is particularly interesting about it. I did love uh, at the very beginning Daro Brain mentioning Overcooked. Every time you mentioned an indie game, I was like, he actually plays that. <laughs> yeah. Like mentioning Minute as well and Celeste and stuff was great. Um, so, another category, uh, I mean, we can pick and choose random categories, but I think music was really good just because the amount, the, ca- the uh, nominations for that category were just phenomenal. Like, yeah, Celeste I, is brilliant. I, I, I'd say of all categories, it's definitely the most subjective mm. um, because it's you can't really judge some, like, music's technical mastery yeah, yeah. in the same way. I. I really, really like the God of War soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the effort that went in Uber McCreary, um, just some incredible decisions. Mm-hmm. I'll just speak about him. He actually hired a, an Islandic choir. Cool. On the basis that Islandic is closest uh, extant language related to um, Old Norse. Right. So unlike most like traditional choirs, it gave a really different sound. Mm. I think he also had a Faroese um, soprano called Ivor Palastotia, Okay. which again, singing in that language gives it such a different tone. Yeah. I just think that the to whole... More, like, to most epic action soundtracks. Yeah, because it's like, it's for me, it's nearest analogue when you first hear the, the main theme on the main menu and stuff is, like, Elder Scrolls. Like, you sort of hear that, like, yeah, that it's, chanting and stuff. it's Celtic. There's more to it. But it's different. Mm-hmm. I just think it's, it's just such I a I actually think... Speaking of a way out there, I actually mm-hmm. think it's more similar to the soundtrack of um, Brothers: The Tale of Two Sons. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which is also, you know, similar, kind of thematically similar. Noting. I... I thought they were all really good mm-hmm. uh, selections. Lena Rain's soundtrack for um, Celeste. Celeste, brilliant. Thing, that main little melody just just gets me. I think it's because mm. I associate with the struggles of that game. So yeah, it's and like, also yeah. also Gris, which yeah. was composed by. Do we have a, Do we have a final say on whether it's Gris, Grice, Gris? I'm pretty sure it's Gris. Gris. <laughs> go I would I would have said it's Gris. We'll go just, with Gris. just by the just by the wording, just okay. by the yeah. spelling of it. Cool. We'll go with Gris. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be corrected on that. <laughs> But well, yeah. even in the awards ceremony, they, like, they sell a couple of different versions of it. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a really meditative soundtrack. Really, mm-hmm. like, when, when I think of a, a game soundtrack, what makes a, a great game soundtrack it isn't about how does it sound isolated, it's how well does it fit in with the game. Like, yeah. does, it, does it achieve what it's supposed to? Which is why something like uh, Raymond Origins, which I think the soundtrack is extremely frustrating at times, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely perfect. It's flawless. Yeah. And the same applies to like Persona 5. 
Persona 5 is great. That that does yeah, have that, character that couldn't, away from the game. That too. couldn't exist in any other game, and mm. that game couldn't exist without that soundtrack. Mm. That's the really important thing, and I think that applies to all these games. To be fair, true. It's such a very high bar. I guess they're trying. Yeah, they're trying to find something where the, the score kind of exemplifies the the feel, the soul, like the passion of that project, like comes through in the audio side as well. But they I mean, do there, there is, there is a, if you if you're going to put it that way, there was there was only one winner of that. Oh, you again. Yeah, I mean, Tetris was nominated, and I've got to give you that. I gushed about it in the last podcast. It's incredible soundtrack. Go play Tetris. In the, in the same yes. way that you were saying about like um, how well it exemplifies everything else, I think there's also the extent of going back to it yeah. after time, and it's not not annoying, but it just it still works every single time. Like I have played through that game so many times. There's one level where at the end I keep playing through over and over and over again, and the song never ever gets old for me. Mm. Whereas as we always say when we talk about soundtrack in in last year's games, we talk about Spider Man and how it's like that was perfect. Yeah. But it didn't really, didn't really do much else it's outside very much of another that. Danny Elfman score. And it's like, yeah. yeah, every time it happened, the same like it. the same music came in, and it's like, yeah, it's it's fine. It doesn't really do much else. But I think, yeah, Tetris was my call for that. Yeah, but. I think, uh, and just yeah, as a, as an addendum thing, go play Tetris Effect. Go play Tetris ninety nine. More people need to play. Everyone just go back to Tetris. It's like how suddenly Minecraft is cool again. Tetris <laughs> is also, it's also cool. Stunning. Uh-huh. Thirty years ago, that a Tetris game has been nominated for a BAFTA. Yeah, it's like that's the thing. It's, it, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like as, as me and Scott have been saying, like everyone just assumes it's Tetris. Who cares? It's like yeah, but go well, play it. You, then, and then tell me that it's like the ultimate testament to Alexei Pachinov's original design that it is it's, still it's, relevant it's, 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 it's a weird it's a weirdly emotional experience yeah. like you yeah. get to the end of it and you hit the credits and you're sort of there like oh god <laughs> like, I've, I've, been just, been, so I've just been playing an hour of Tetris why am I crying I know it's 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 it's, it's brilliant I mean yeah you'll get it if you play it um, so we can we can get like I said we can kind of pick and choose stuff um, I've got down Artistic Achievement um, which Return of the Oprah Din won um, but that was up against um, Gree, God of War Detroit Red Dead Redemption 2 and Spidey um, and I think that's just an interesting category to pick apart because on the one hand you've got Detroit there which is assumedly nominated because it's just on a pure power rendering level that game looks amazing but then if you go down you know art direction and you know the more artistically minded sort of you know like pretentiously minded type stuff that it's like well something like Oberdin stands out because it's never been done before I think but I think artistic technically is impressive I think artistic is more of a broad totally award. Yeah. like you could give it to I would say you could give it something like Detroit because of the fact that obviously your decision making you got the branching yeah. narrative obviously mm-hmm. obviously Oberdin won because of how absolutely stunning that that's game the thing is. it's like visual versus uh, what, what else sounds- like Happily, God of War and God of War um, Red Dead 2 Spidey yeah Red Gris. Dead 2 again because of the scale Gree because of obviously the visual style mm. like we're doing because of the visual style I think it's quite an open uh, award uh-huh. but I, I personally see it as an award in terms of pure aesthetics and again yeah. um, you're saying there's God of War and Red Dead and uh, Detroit mm-hmm. powerhouses aren't they so yes, that's, yeah. that's really what you're assessing you're mm-hmm. assessing how many artists came together and I mean brilliant achievements yeah. but I actually think in terms of style Operating was for was a deserving winner. It definitely stands out the most. Like you right. could look at any you know you any could ask, frame of you could it. Ask, it. Did that narrative and did that game necessarily require a style that mimics a, like a one bit monochromatic? No, Apple you could e- you could have easily <laughs> done it. In, you could have easily done it in the style of yeah. Sea of Thieves or Skull of Bones, Skull and Bones, and done yeah. the exact same thing. Uh-huh. So perhaps maybe it wasn't the most appropriate choice mm-hmm. from Lucas, but. It came off so well, yeah. But it's difficult to. Actually, don't. I've not dealt. Like, I absolutely love Lucas Pope's stuff. If you haven't played Papers, please like check that out as well. But I, I haven't actually looked into interviews with Pope as to why he went with that exact specific style because it is. It's very con- uh, connotative of like uh, what, like early eighties, yeah, or whatever time. As, it, as a Game Boy, it's Game Boy because it's green and it's green and dark that, green. It's, 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 it's very it's much an original Game Boy kinda. sort of color scheme. But also, well, what well, the, the Game Boy Color scheme was a four bit, I think, and this is one bit. So if this is like the PCs, <laughs> you'll have been playing in the mid eighties. Yeah. You can kind of tell it looks like a dot matrix printer it's like yeah. a really old he actually it actually wasn't as simple as just applying a filter because um he was finding that originally how he did it it was 
causing a lot of motion sickness moving right. around with a lot of the different effects mm -hmm. like moving yeah. very quickly at, at today's frame rates mm -hmm. obviously when it's still images on an apple 2 computer it's not a problem but mm -hmm. so you know you actually have to put a lot of work into getting that that's right. one of the, the things as well is like uh, when you first start playing over or maybe you've seen screenshots and stuff of it when you actually see it in motion when you're controlling it it's the weirdest yeah, sensation because yeah. you are controlling like an old piece of printer paper which I guess is what he's going for because it's all this like you're trying to piece together this story it's remnants of memories and bits of evidence and stuff um, so there are different pieces like that I don't think we've missed out anything massive have a quick check of your list good sir benjamin um i was just thinking about the disconnect between the two mobile awards yes we had yes. the best mobile award which was uh voted for by the bafta panel mm -hmm. and it was also the ee mobile award yeah which was voted for yeah and the regular people <laughs> and they don't they actually get a mock bafta statue that's just yellow rather than gold <laughs> which feels like a bit of a kick in the teeth it's kind of yeah. like the ee rising star award of the film yeah. BAFTAs as well yeah, yeah. Um, so really, that was more of a popularity contest. That one was won by um, Old School RuneScape. Which is great. Which that, that's it's really great. Yeah, 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 I used to assume it'd be Fortnite. It's like best ongoing game got yes. Fortnite. And it's like, yeah, well, whatever. So the other nominees for that were Fortnite and um, Pokemon Go. Mm -hmm. You know, the ones that everyone's playing. Stuff that you assume, yeah, you, stuff that, you assume that everyone's Whereas playing. Whereas the best mobile game went to Florence. Yes. Which... Florence is phenomenal. A 30-minute narrative about... It's uh, a relationship in a city. Yeah, two That's two it. people meeting first time and going on. Again, off the first I, th day. I think it's down to like mobile game being the new the new mobile games. Hence mm. why it's on the BAFTA panel, and then the ongoing mobile game is the audience award. Because I mean, who mm. who better to decide what game on still ongoing is going to be worthy of award of the people yeah. that are playing it? So. It's just like because another point as well is like if you differentiate those two like selections of games, like you know the ones that were voted for by the people are the ones that dominate the storefronts, and the ones that you know you're, you're more likely to get a friendly recommendation about, or like you'll see an advert for yeah. or something like a Fortnite. Um, but then the best game on a mobile platform is something that the critics have sought out, or you know has, has sort of had a bit more uh, had its reputation built in different ways. Like something like Florence, I I don't think I would even have noticed unless I I don't think when I first noticed that it was just somewhere in the run up to this. Um, but Florence is a, the appeal of Florence is completely different to something like you know a drop-in loot shooter or, and it's definitely not right. a mass appeal it's yeah, not yeah. going to win a popular award even though soon. I think everyone should try yeah, it absolutely but <laughs> unfortunately everyone won't mm -hmm. for a couple of other really interesting takeaways from this um, mm -hmm. Nintendo despite the brilliant debut year they had with the Switch uh, there was Breath of the Wild was sweeping awards last year. Yes. Only the Labo really did anything of note at yeah. this year's award. I think what it did do was lush. I absolutely yeah. love Nintendo Labo, yeah. but I think, um, yeah, it won Best Innovation, um, which is like, when you see the way that that thing works, if you go hands-on with it and you faff around with the coding side of it, once you've built all your stupid pianos and your fishing rods, and then you go into the Toy-Con garage and you can remap all the different things and be like, okay, this light sensor makes this vibrate or this makes this sound happen or whatever, and your mind just kind of blows up and you're like, oh my God, I can make like a shooting gallery. I can make I can make this toy car move or whatever. And like, you know, they, 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 one of the examples they showed off in the showreel was someone had made like a drum, like a drum set uh, based on when the Joy-Cons feel a vibration, they make a drum noise. And it's like, just thinking of that is so innovative and so, you know, for children or whatever, anybody really is just It also won Best amazing. Family Game as well. Yes. Yeah, which is uh, ridiculous. Because I think, I think we <laughs> assumed it might be something like Super Mario Party, mm. but Labo, it just, it just everything makes sense yeah. with it. It's it's fantastic. But, but I mean, it's interesting you say about Super Mario Party. I hope that was nominated for Best Multiplayer Game. As well, was Smash was, as well. Smash as well, yeah. yeah but, but other than when it came to first-party Nintendo games, uh, almost no representation at the awards at all and no wins. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, that's interesting coming from a first-party hardware manufacturer mm -hmm. that they haven't 
really came up with anything in the last 12 months. I mean, I just realised that Pokemon Let's Go, was that nominated for That anything? was them, but that did not get nominated for much. Yeah. Well, Pokemon Go did, but Pokemon not Go Let's Go. Did, yeah. Like, yeah. But that's not Nintendo. No. <laughs> so. Yeah, but it's, it was a bit, of a, a bit of a weird thing in terms of, like, yeah, like, I guess Japanese representation of the games that they're offering. But then you look at Nintendo's catalogue and they have kind of taken a step back. They've had a whole snafu with Prime's release date, Animal Crossing. Kind of looks like it was announced way ahead of when yeah. it had anything worth showing. I mean, that's what's so. Metro Prime 4, let's face it. Yeah, Irrele- yeah, totally. Irrelevant of the fact they were they were having to start again. Like, totally. they still just said, it's in development. It's yeah. like, it's like we have, Bethesda we have and Scrolls of Starfield yeah. in two years. And it's, I kind of think that yeah, their sort of motion going into uh, this year was very much like, just, or bear with us. You know, we've well, the last year, sorry, it was just like, bear with us. We've got, we've got still, we've got irons in the fire. Just, we'll keep going. Yeah. Um, but there is that sort of conversation around whether they had too much momentum at the beginning and they, you know, like, put everything out too fast kind of thing. Um, another massive uh, talking point, though, we can uh, sort of pivot into is um, because of Sekiro being on the market and, you know, like, From Software's new game being ludicrously hard, there's, um, there's a massive conversation around the idea of difficulty versus accessibility and the all those conversations that come out of that, which I personally think is just incredibly fascinating to pick apart. Yeah. Um, and so one of the, the biggest things with this is that a lot of the opinion pieces online tend to get it wrong, tend to conflate yeah, um, the wrong things. Precisely that. Um, the conflation becomes between the general definition of the word accessible yeah. and the specific meaning of accessibility within the strata of video games. They're not the same thing. No. For both the two different questions, mm-hmm. uh, and I really think it's quite dangerous if we start talking about people being able to beat games because they're too hard, mm-hmm. rather than people not being able to beat games because they're either physically or cognitively impaired. Mm-hmm. Like, and people saying, "Well, Sekiro should be easy because I've bought it and I can't finish it." Well, that's not really. If you're an able-bodied person, yeah. then you have, you know, you can you can it's, have it's, another go. It's not about making games easier because people don't have the time to practice. Mm-hmm. It's about making games. Um, possible for people to play who no matter what sort of practice put in or what commitment they put in could never possibly reach that mm. level because of like I say certain impairments Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at UH1.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. 
Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Yeah, well, one of the, the biggest things, I mean, they mentioned it in, as, uh, in the BAFTA Awards. I forget which person was accepting their award, and they just had, like, a quick little aside to just say, can we just get a round of applause for the adaptive controller that, like, Microsoft have put out there? Yeah, well, that's such that's, a, it's that's, such a great, it's a great thing, direction. but what I will mention is it was retailing for um, £73.50. Yeah. And that's just is, for the base unit. Yeah, which is twice as much as a regular controller. Now, mm-hmm. I can understand that the manufacturing costs might be higher. Apparently, the R&D did go on for a while, yeah. Yeah. But obviously, but at the same time, yeah. that is just a sacrifice that company, a company the size of Microsoft, should be prepared to make. Of course. Now, I don't want to criticise them because mm-hmm. they have actually came out and done, made this product. Mm-hmm. But it would be nice to see a concession given. No, to, absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah I mean, there should, yeah. there should be price. There, should, there shouldn't be a premium for accessibility, irrelevant yeah. to right, production exactly, costs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's like just uh, as the wider thing in terms of Sekiro, uh, a great thing was uh, Matt Thorson, who's the uh, developer on uh, Celeste. He actually put out because Celeste has an assist mode, and um, if you played through Celeste, like just its main sort of difficulty, it, it is quite a challenging game, especially if you're going to go after the collectibles. Absolutely. Um, and there's an option in the main menu to turn on an assist mode, which changes your save file. Um, and he was just saying that that's the, the kind of a way to address kind of both sides uh, in terms of making a, a difficult game more accessible. Which is it's such a it's a very thorny kind of issue in terms of the the grey area in the middle, mm. um, because you. I guess you don't want to make something like secure. You don't want to reduce the artistic side of it, where like if someone made a game to and they be honest, I want it to be brutally hard. Yeah, then, yeah. but this is this is the complaint I keep hearing is why can't secure just be hard? We like it to be hard. Right. Well, if there is an accessibility mode or an assist mode mm-hmm. that helps people enjoy the game who otherwise wouldn't be able to, mm-hmm. I do not understand what the big problem with that is. No, well that's that's like, the kind of it conversation. It does not undermine mm-hmm. your achievement at putting all those hours of grinding because for some people, play, even playing in an assisted mode. Mm-hmm. It presents just as hard a challenge as playing in the regular mode. Yeah. And overcoming that for them is it could be a brilliant achievement and, and why I don't know why that is a bad thing. No, not at all. I mean that's the thing. Like the the, the stuff that Matt Thorson put forward is the best way to appeal to that crowd. That well just... I think Celeste's assist mode is absolutely perfect. Yeah. It's not patronizing, it doesn't um ruin the game in mm-hmm. any way. It it's there if you need it. It doesn't it's optional. Yeah, because some games, like I mean, on, on a pure difficulty level side, like sometimes um, you'll die in something and it'll pop up and say, "Do you want to switch to easy mode?" Devil May Cry Five does that, and I'm just like, I don't need the reminder. Yeah, I'll keep Fallout, going. Uh, not Fallout. Uh, was it God of War that does that as well? Maybe. Oh, it's Resident Evil. Resident Evil Two. Yes, uh, does that as well. The remake. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like I, I can kind of see where people are coming from. I think there's an there's an there's an essence of like an echo of games becoming more accessible, not in terms of accessibility, in terms of like its difficulty and obviously for um, people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. I think it's more making games more accessible to open it up to a broader audience, and I think that's what people are kind of concerned about, and they are misconstruing right, well, the two same yes, things. Exactly. When you take something like Fallout Four, for example, that watered a lot of stuff down 
and mm. I will admit it got me massively into Fallout because I never but I could never can get under, uh, like I could never get into uh, New Vegas and three, mm-hmm. but that got me into it. And I think people are worried that that's going to degrade their game. Yes, but it's, so as you, you said, if it's just a toggle switch, I think that's that's perfect. You can understand why that's a dangerous area though, because when people start complaining about games being watered down mm-hmm. for yep. the sake of accessibility, mm-hmm. suddenly people start saying, "Well, we don't want accessible games," and that's not what we want to be saying. Yeah, no. it's, so it, it's, I mean, the way that uh, Thorson put it across is that like that's the point I was going to make with the uh, some games incentivize you to go and switch over like there's no in- incentivization in Celeste to go like oh hey maybe you should switch to the other mode I think I mean, it does it, do a pop up eventually I think if you, if you uh, die numerous times in the same place like mm-hmm. towards the end of the game and you're getting killed by a boss over and over again it will prompt and I I, I do understand how patronizing that does come across because I'm uh, always there like I don't I don't want well, to play at the lower mode I'd rather push big, myself a big solution but, to this as well and when it doesn't come to, to difficulty is to, to be upfront about these assist modes mm-hmm. let people know in advance if it's going to be a challenge in certain ways, and yeah. if you need extra help, then mm-hmm. it's available. That's a really great way of handling it. Because I think um, the thing to your point, Rich, about like the because um, my I always go down like the the road of like you know like um, you know you protect the creators, you protect the artistic vision of something, mm. um, which I think you can absolutely do. But then it's just like it's like how much of a game has to be changed in terms of the difficulty of it. But that's not necessarily the conversation. It's more you want to make it so that everybody has a, an equal chance to fail if you take it to the secure. Yeah, uh, that's a great way of putting an equal chance to fail. <laughs> yeah, so it's <laughs> in just a difficult hard game for anyway. everybody. But in, in with various gradations, yeah. But you don't necessarily want like well, that I don't I don't necessarily want the um, you know a level design to completely change. If if the creator just wanted to make a rough level, but it's like it it's like be made somebody on Twitter so play it. Somebody on Twitter posted like this is my idea for an accessibility mode in Sekiro, and yeah. it, I think it might have been mm-hmm. yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, there's no there's no stagger. Like you've always got unlimited. Um, posture. stance, posture, yeah. whatever, stuff like that. I think that's, uh, I think it would just be a case of like tweaking how your character or whatever will move and interact with the world, but the world doesn't actually change. Right. It's like making, um, you know, enemies have less health mm-hmm. or I think it was, I think you were mentioned Spider-Man PS4 has got an option to turn off the, uh, quick time events or the like button oh, mashing so, stuff yeah. Yeah, well, so for people who that's, that's maybe great. can't like do button mashing because of whatever mm-hmm. then they can still do that they mm-hmm. can still play through the game I think that is something that I think it's a great thing to do and there's a part of me that thinks it should be a uh, a thing that needs to be done. That's stuff I would games. say is should be mandatory. And like yeah. I understand the idea of um, Sekiro want like the artistic vision of being like this is what Sekiro is. I mean, admittedly, you're buying a from software game yeah. directed by Hidetaka Miyazaki. It's gonna be hard. And if you're gonna <laughs> completely put that aside and then whinge about it, then you are just kind of being an idiot. Mm-hmm. But I do understand the, the the appeal and I think the the necessity for an assist mode. Be it if it just changes a couple of things, like just adds to the infinite posture, mm-hmm. just changes that. It's like New Super Mario Brothers U when they released that on the Switch. As much as it is an absolute waste of money yeah um <laughs> they added in uh Nabbit, who doesn't get damaged by anything and you think well, that sounds N- really dumb nintendo, but it's right. nintendo if you talk about creative visions and theirs is as pure as anyone's but they've been putting assist modes in all their games for about 10 years now yeah mm-hmm. it's like mario kart deluxe has got the automatic steering and things exactly. like that which is great when you give your three-year-old well, nephew a controller and go nuts and so can actually play i've read testimonies of people who um are impaired in terms i think amputee mm. mentioned that she couldn't play the game without the auto steering. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. obviously you couldn't use the other hand. So mm-hmm. like that's that's a brilliant thing. Well I have like a, a personal friend who like just literally struggles to hold the Xbox controller. And so he was saying like one of the, the best things about the adaptive controller, like it's obviously yeah. gonna be that you can remap the buttons and it's just it's well, let's easier see, to that's hold. one of the most basic things being having the option to remap buttons yeah. on a game which there's a list of really basic things that so many games don't actually achieve well, when it was, comes I mean, to accessibility. Yeah, when the um, when the when Xbox said we're doing the adaptive controller and it was like, of course, like why has this not been done across the board? Like Nintendo don't have anything like this. It, in it terms of a, Sony. No, like you know like the actual physical hardware that you're controlling, that should be changed across the board. Um, it, it kind of 
have annoyed. No. I mean, I don't know whether I don't know whether the uh, the Xbox adaptive controller has uh, Bluetooth capabilities like the the One S controller onwards so. do. In that case, then they're the kind of things you can use with other consoles. Yes. with just a bit of tweaking. Well, also you mentioned Nintendo. The Switch is the most versatile console yeah. out there, and yet it doesn't have it doesn't that have a, like option. a single handed mode. I've, I've seen I, people make custom versions. Same, of it. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised we haven't got like you know you know like for example um, Amazon Fire tablets. You can buy them like dirt cheap, and mm. they they make ones for kids. They've got kids tablets. I'm really surprised we haven't got like kid proof Joy Cons and things like that, and then just you know because as you said it's it's so versatile it's really surprising they haven't made basically like a bigger Joy-Con like an adaptive controller size Joy-Con with the Switch mm-hmm. inadvertently is already very accessible for visual people who are visually impaired because I um, I know with the 3DS no, my, my vision's I'm not visually impaired but it's, it's, it's quite bad <laughs> but, yeah. but I know I know it's over time just, just with like natural macular degeneration I was mm-hmm. struggling to see the screen mm-hmm. with the Switch I found made a hybrid console that can both be used handheld yeah. and on a screen so mm-hmm. going forward people who struggle really do struggle to see a tiny screen well mm-hmm. they've got an option Yeah, yeah. but that wasn't intended that was just no that was something they sort of just stumbled into whereas like something like uh, Dead Rising in 2006 like had tiny text yeah, as I mean, you played on an HDTV and that, then that you was, could maybe read it that was just, a, even with, just things like GUI scale they should yes, have to everything yeah. yes. but for the for well, sorry, what was the name again? <laughs> well, Dead Rising. Dead Rising, I see. Yes. Yeah. The, um, the issue there was that it was during the changeover between standard definition and HD, and, mm-hmm. and so maybe a thing for developers didn't know. No, yeah. But there are far, far too many games out there that don't provide adequate subtitles. Or they have The Witcher 3, I mentioned, I really struggled to enjoy that because mm. I couldn't read any of the flavor text. Right. They do have a big HUD mode now. They did, maybe didn't back when you first played it. I think it went up to something like 115%. Right. I really need to about that's 200%. Not much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you get there's no standardized way of having subtitles in most games. You get some that right across the screen. Mm-hmm. You get some that are tiny. You get some that um, blend in with the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some that do everything. Some like do, going back yeah. to say like Valve games, they have they have oh, a the fantastic Valve, subtitle are fantastic system. because not only do they have clearly readable subtitles that like correspond with what you would consider like a film standard or a television standard, but they also have um, written audio cues. Yep. I used to use it all the time yeah. to like, 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 kind of like half cheat my way through Half-Life 2 and it's like it says headcrab noise it's like ah, ah there's, <laughs> yeah. there's one around the corner it's interesting you uh, say the word you use there cheat right Yeah. for you it is a cheat and some people say well that's really for other people, that's, for other people that's an accessibility absolutely option mandatory, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean that, that kind of like wraps back around to the, the potential side I was getting at before about in, in defending a creative vision like I think that um, Celeste's message its core message about overcoming anxiety depression adversity whatever is, a, is the most worthwhile message in gaming I've personally ever experienced and I adore it for that and so I think that one of the reasons they have the assist mode in there is because they want that message to get out to as many people as possible. Um, that's an artistic choice, um, mm. and it, it makes sense to have an assist mode in there um, outside of the the controller you're using to play it. But also, like you know, if you're from software and they want to pride themselves on making a game that only a handful of people can get through, then it is that thing where the the games the artistic side of it stays solid, but the way that you the the, the barrier for entry should be lowered considerably, like I said before. Yeah. Um, so everybody is allowed to fail equally. Yeah. That's where I kind of come down on it. I think, but boy, when you boil it down, I think. There's, there's an idea that you can add, you can have accessibility features as we've discussed about mm-hmm. you could do X, Y, and Z with whatever, but they won't detract from the game unless yes. you switch them on. Which is a great, so, I mean, yeah, one of Thorson's points was that all the things he suggested for the assist mode would just be on a separate save. And yeah. it's just like... And it's then, literally like, just flick a switch and there you go. Yeah, and it's just like you remove that sort of incentivization. And also, the other thing as well is, I know some people have been suggesting, well, 
maybe you shouldn't get achievements or maybe you shouldn't get trophies. Right. So I don't think you should have punitive measures. No, no. yeah, yeah. I, like, when you're playing on, like, the... If you're playing a game that has, like, super-duper easy mode mm-hmm. or you've got things that can tweak gameplay, like, on the fly, not necessarily... Maybe for accessibility, but maybe it's just to muck about. In the same way, like, you start... You put a cheat into GTA Five and it goes, well, you can't get any achievements mm-hmm. now. Or you do... Well, like in Cuphead, you can't progress past the aisle until you put it on the normal difficulty. Yeah, you, you, can beat, you can beat all the bosses on simple to use it as, like, that, like, sort of a step level. up and then go, okay, now we know what to do. Let's get the third phase in and mm-hmm. then you go from there but yeah I, I, I can honestly see that as well and yeah I mean at the end of the day like if you're gonna if, you, if they're gonna switch on achievements and stuff for the easier difficulties to make it more accessible it's like I don't see why people would complain about that I think you just have uh, separate achievements to say like beat the game I mean they have them anyway beat the I mean, game it's like you look at, you look at Call of Duty or Halo they always said you know you've done this but you've beaten it on veteran mm-hmm. or you've beaten it on legendary I think like, it's I, I think it's at this stage obviously it's an ongoing conversation <clears> but I like the idea that you know it's, it's, it's also there mentioned Richard mm-hmm. uh, you say about veteran yeah. and legendary so even when it comes to naming difficulties, hmm. don't don't <laughs> mock the player. I right. having I mean, to use an easy mode. Wolfenstein get away with it. I think <laughs> you know, like please don't hurt me, daddy. And yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Very tongue in cheek. And then I think I think my favorite difficulty levels I've seen is like is in God of War right. when it's like give me like give me story, well, give me gameplay, give me God of War. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. what you're saying there with Wolfenstein, that's actually about difficulty. It's not about accessibility. Yes. True. So, um, but. If if your accessible mode is called easy mode, yeah, yeah, you've, mode, you've it's already sort of like the saying, yeah. it's called accessibility mode. Yeah. That's literally it. Yeah. Or like you say, story, classic, and things like that. Those are good mm. terms as well. Mm. If 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 you're just wanting to play, experience the game, for, it's like I, I want. It's like playing God of War. Like I wanted to put it on normal because I yeah. wanted to get the whole experience of playing it. But it's like there is a, there was a part of me when I was on that screen thinking, well, really, I would just really like to sit and like well, that's watch thing. a game. Yeah, like, and that's a, that's a choice. That obviously, we are like very able and easy to make. But the, the but not everyone yeah. has that. Yeah, exactly. I'd also say yeah. normal is a really really yeah. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, I think there's 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 a whole bunch of stuff. It's obviously a massive standard default, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no, but that's standard. Is sounds doesn't sound because it's like either. saying yeah. like, oh, the thing that I'm capable of. If it's if it's lower than normal, or oh, what is am I not normal for playing on this mode? Like you know, there's all that, and so it is. It is a humongous conversation. I think that it's it's fascinating to pick apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really worthy. I'm really glad it's came far yeah, because yeah. it's something that not a lot of people necessarily have cared about mm-hmm. a lot, and it's something that maybe some companies haven't even cared about. Well, just about. seeing the Xbox controller kind of opened my eyes as to like, yeah, yeah why is this not everywhere? Like, and I, yeah, like I said, my friend, like, he, you know, back when Assassin's Creed 2 came out, he was saying he was struggling with just the general, being able to get up on rooftops and, and you know, kill dudes and the different buttons you needed to use just because of the way that he was holding the pad. Um, and that was one of the things where, you know, you just, at the time, you're just sort of like, oh, that's, that sucks, man, like, whatever. But that the conversation just wasn't happening back then. Um, whereas now it's just ongoing and hopefully I, I know, I know we, we mentioned the year in passing early about mm-hmm. some of their practices, but I think they are one of the companies who do um, hire as many differently abled uh, playtesters as possible yes. to try and make their games as adaptable as possible. Mm-hmm. And I know it's maybe not practical with small independent studios, although you tend to find those are some ones who care about it the most. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, but, it's, I mean, yeah, but it is, it is something all the major companies. Well, maybe, can maybe do. that's something yes. that could be done as a separate thing. There will be like a, an accessibility authority that have like that are like yeah, a third absolutely. party that can, that devs and publishers can send their games to as like a well, separate it's, QA. Sometimes it's a, lack of, sometimes it's a lack of knowledge as well. It's not yeah. a lack of. Uh, desire. It's just mm-hmm. people, some developers don't know. What I think that would be an advisory like, body would be. Ex- ex- yeah, because then you could yeah. literally then you could literally say like this game has been like approved by the accessibility authority. Yeah, yeah that'd be fantastic. Example. I think like, I think you get that stamp and like anybody can go. Yeah, I can play that. Yeah. I think that'd be great. I think these conversations lead to things like that. Like I said, it, it's an ongoing thing. Uh, it's weird because in that you, you said like a, an external body or a mandated thing. Um, Xbox used to mandate on the Xbox Live Store that every game have a demo. They used to mandate that. Yeah. So it's like, if you're going to mandate something like that, then maybe on the console side you can begin to to mandate 
to accessibility options across the board, um, you know, like assist options or whatever. There's definitely things like colorblind mode, subtitle size, whatever. For, for, yeah, Those are like for, entry level things. Hard, a lot, quite a lot of hardware do have those options, but sometimes they don't go far enough because yeah. they can't. Mm -hmm. You know, like the, there's only so much you can add. Like you can add a zoom function on the PlayStation, mm -hmm. but you can't correct the colors of a game mm -hmm. with hardware. Mm -hmm. I think the, the only thing that, um, in terms of on the, on the creative side, is if someone wants wants to just make an incredibly hard game that only a fraction of the populace can get through, I think they're allowed to obviously do that. They're allowed to do but, it, but every, like you say, everybody should have the opportunity to try. Yes, that's that's the crux, I think. Yeah, it's not. This is not about oh, you're making Sekiro easy, you're making Dark Souls easy. It's not about making it easy. No. I don't. I don't understand why people keep getting confused. I just. I just. I, I. I just think because the the most reactionary easy take is all oh, your changing would say my is game. It would make it easier for some people mm -hmm. if they chose to use that mod. It's choice. I think that's always the thing. It's yeah. it's, a, it's a completely optional thing, and yeah. people who get who whinge about it, it's like we well, don't have to use it. Mm -hmm. So and I, I mean, I, there's I, nothing to do with you. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and I, I played Celeste on its on its um you know the, the standard mode. I didn't turn the assist mode on, and it was one of the most powerful experiences that I've ever played in gaming. Yeah. Um, and that mode, that game has an assist mode, but I like you know because of the situation that I'm in, I can play on the mode that it had kind of thing yeah, and if it's still totally works. Sometimes this opinion's coming from a, a position of privilege. Yes. That we don't necessarily... Which we all, you know, where we have an able-bodied privilege, like totally. Yeah, completely. So it's, again, that's probably one of the reasons why it hasn't been discussed much mm. until now and, and mm -hmm. as soon as people have something that they can complain about, oh, I don't want an easy Sekiro, mm -hmm. then, then it's actually came before. Mm -hmm. This is up to this point, I've always seen it like the people who aren't able-bodied have always just sort of tried to make do. Like, you know, yeah, I, I've, had, I've yeah. had a friend you who... Either, you either struggle or you can't do it. Yeah, like, I had a friend who's who had, like, um, some, like, uh, twisted bones from birth or something, mm -hmm. and, like, he could still play with a DualShock 3 just perfectly fine. It was actually quite incredible watching him do it. And mm -hmm. there's, like, uh, there's a video of a guy, uh, when Apex Legends came out, he's got... I don't think he's got... I think he's got any arms. Right. But he got, he got his first win on Twitch using, like, his feet. Right. And it's incredible. And There's it's like incredible feats. Yeah. Like, yeah but then it's a, like, yeah, now that that conversation has come up again and it means like, okay, you know, you, you've been you've been trying your best to make it like with what you can get, but now we can make yeah. it, then, so then you can make it what you I need. I think that really yeah. puts it in a perspective that it's definitely not an easy mod, is it? No. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. And it shouldn't be like one-offs where someone's managed to create this feat of, of getting over the, yeah. you know, the, the horrific I know there was a terrific story about um, Abe's Exodus on mm. the PlayStation 1. The sound design of that was so brilliant that uh, I believe it was a blind game I was able to complete from start to finish right. using just the audio cues. That's and, incredible. And I mean, that's a really t a testament to a fantastic sound design. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like I said, it's an ongoing thing. Um, we've managed to cover, I don't know, 20 minutes like it was two seconds. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, you guys can all find us on um, social media. We're over on the Twitters and all that type of jazz. Just search What Culture Gaming, or you can find uh, Rich, myself, Scott, or Benjamin. We're all over there on the Twitters. But for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming podcast. I hope you guys all have enjoyed it, and we'll catch you next time. I've been Scott. That's not even how I usually do the sign up. <laughs> I have been Scott, though. Joined by Stop Benjamin on. Richardson. Goodbye. Enjoy <laughs> by Richardson. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.